Rick West envisioned a new type of B2B marketplace, one where you could shop for a specific product or service and buy that service all in the same place. We discuss his vision and how he made it a reality. Rick tells us about his experience as a 20-year startup and the journey it took to make Field Agent a success. Your traditional B2B marketplace is going to take you to a connector to have two or three other phone calls and two or three other meetings. Field Agent can take you right to checkout. Your check will be done in two or three minutes. You get data coming back right away. It's such an exciting concept. And now, your free joke. I tried shipping a Bon Jovi album to my cousin for Christmas, but it hasn't arrived yet. The tracking report keeps saying, oh, it's halfway there. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by e-commerce Unconference, happening on January 21st in Orlando, Florida. This is a platform agnostic event and all are invited from any platform. An unconference is a conference where you decide on the speakers and the topics which are to be presented. Go to unconf.us, that's U-N-C-O-N-F dot U-S, to get your ticket. The capacity is limited to no more than 140 people. And if you've been to an unconference in the past, you know they sell out fast. Go to unconf.us while tickets are still available. Make a weekend vacation while attending a fun event. That's January 21st in Orlando, Florida. And I've heard there are some theme parks there that you can visit as well. That's unconf.us. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by Swift Daughter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers, too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Otter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this fantastic new episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Rick West, the CEO and co-founder of Field Agent. Rick, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us maybe one of your passions in life. Listen, Britt, thank you so much for having me. I, I started by telling people I am a uh, father of three, husband of one, granddaddy to two. And so from a family perspective, I spend most of my time chasing my grandkids. Now, if you jump over to the business world and what that looks like, uh, gosh, the passion for me you know, for, for decades has always been kind of that creative side of things. So there's, I've never met a problem. Uh, I didn't love sitting down on, the, on a whiteboard and trying to figure things out. So whether it's a personal problem, a business problem, whatever it may be, I love lowering my head with a whiteboard, figuring things out. That's great. Um, so I, I know that you're, you're involved in marketplaces. Tell us a little bit about what you're involved in right now. 
Yes. So Field Agent, I, I tell people we started Field Agent a little over 10 years ago in the pre-selfie days, Brent. So this is before you had a front-facing camera. All right. No video, iPhone 3S kind of days. Uh, and, and we started that work is really around data collection and capturing information. And what we've seen over the last 10 years is that we've really created a marketplace, kind of a B2B marketplace for our clients to go and find retail solutions. And it's been pretty cool. It's a uh, it's the same B2C concept that people see every day when you shop on Amazon. You find what you want when you want it. We've created that same type of experience from a business standpoint uh, for all of our clients that are wanting to engage at retail. So it's been a pretty exciting journey. Is this so? I, when I think of B2B marketplace, I think, I think of something like Alibaba. Is it is it something like that, or how does yeah, that compare? Well, Here's kind of typically think of Alibaba and you uh, you go down that path for many businesses. When you look for a marketplace, it is click on a link that takes me to a phone number to call a plumber. Click on a link. It takes me to a business consultant. Click on a link and take me to someone that can do graphic design. In our world, we've taken those services and those products and say, log into our marketplace. And after you make two or three clicks, we take you to a cart. When we actually have you check out, Brent, which is crazy, right? Uh, because all of the B2B marketplaces are going to take you to a connector to have two or three other phone calls, two or three other meetings. And we've done this work long enough that we know the questions to ask. We can take you right to a checkout. And by the time you check out two or three minutes later, in near real time, you're getting data and results coming back your way. And so that's the revolutionary change or spin we put on the marketplace. Interesting. So this is a product, more of a product-led marketplace than than traditionally what what we've seen in the past. Maybe you could explain what that means, product-led marketplace, or if I'm even going down the right street. Listen, you are astute, and listen, that's why you're on this podcast, Brent. That's why you do what you do. Uh, but no, in, in all fairness, is that when you look at the the, the, the concept of product-led, I'm, I'm going to use the the example that most people use with uh, around COVID and Zoom. If you were not a Zoom user uh, during COVID, you probably uh, became one. And so I think they went from somewhere around the, the numbers of 30 million users to 200 million users in six months. In order to do that kind of growth, if they were a click and get to a uh, salesperson or click and do a demo, uh, instead of being able to knock out that growth in six months, it would have taken them 10 years and 103,000 employees working six days a week just to go from 30 million to 200 million. So product-led growth in its simplest, simplest term says, can you get someone to the point where they can buy something without a salesperson engaged? I mean, Brent, think about our world today. I, I was talking to a guy the other day. Uh, he just purchased a car on Vroom. No salesperson, three clicks. He spent $45,000 on a car he'd never touched, never seen. And I've got another friend in real estate that just sold a home last week to a person from overseas coming into the U.S., bought a home sight unseen. Now, if, if you can buy a car and a house, surely to goodness, you can buy research, marketing, sampling, trial from a B2B perspective. So we know the industry is going that way, but the concept of product-led growth is just that. You do not need a salesperson to tell you how to buy a car. Vroom has automated it, and it's truly product-led growth. Yeah, I know that uh, a lot of our clients are have moved to B two B in the commerce space, and one of the right. worries that uh, 
um, salespeople have is that this is going to take away from one of their key roles, which is doing the selling. Do you see this as as being a extra tool that a salesperson can have at at that end, whatever that end B two B merchant is, or do you see this as something that's going to replace the salesperson? Yeah, you know, you can imagine um, trying to do the work that you're uniquely designed for. And uh, there's a guy that has a, uh, an interesting leadership podcast name is Andy Stanley. And he, he talks about, you know, if you are in your sweet spot, you are doing things that only you are uniquely designed to do. And Amazon has figured out it's not designed to sell a $10 pack of batteries. Okay. You know, we've also figured out it's not to sell other items. But what it is designed for, if you're a salesperson, you look at truly what that that DNA, the, the things that are driving for you, is that you're still going to have custom work, you're still going to have enterprise engagement, and you're, you're still going to be looking at longer term, how do you scale within a company and how do you continue to grow that way? But most of the initial contact, I would argue, is going to be product-led marketplace driven. Uh, because I don't think from a sales perspective, you need to continue to try to send emails, send people text messages and call them. Hopefully you're going to get someone on the phone. None of us want to shop that way. That being said, there is more than ample opportunity for that same salesperson to help someone go broader, to renew, to look at subscription. How can you grow the business in that way? So yes, I think it's going to be a tool for a salesperson. It's going to be amazing lead generation generation aspect for people that really want more of handholding. And so I'm excited where this is going to go. Yeah, I think you hit the, the the main thing there is that lead generation and that tool or that an extra channel enablement for the salesperson. And I think right. as a store owner or as an entrepreneur or a business owner, you have to be aware that you need to include that aspect. Uh, when I mean that is you have to include the salesperson aspect in it, um, but then not to scare the salesperson by saying, Hey, this is going to be a new channel. You don't get any credit for this because they're like the post sale. There's always questions that are going to be the client. I think part of this is having the client speak to the person and on their own terms, rather than the traditional model of a B2B salesperson is, is calling out, making sure that they're in front of them at the time they want to purchase. This lets the client kind of dictate some of those terms and in when they would like to purchase and uh and lets the salesperson then go back and do the best the better part of customer relationship um maybe you could walk us through what does the journey look like now on the on the marketplace for or for for, for the b2b yeah so, so i think in many ways um you know brent that amazon has taught this well okay now whether you like amazon or not you can look at all the other e-commerce worlds have kind of followed suit. And I think B2B is going to follow it in, in similar terms. So in our case, uh, we try to create a frictionless environment. So you can log into fieldagent.net as an example. And you basically browse for a solution. You're saying, gosh, in my case, I'm a marketing person and I'm looking for trial sampling or ratings and reviews. And once you make a decision that says, yes, I'm looking for ratings and reviews, then you simply click on that product answer a few questions, review the cart. It's going to tell you based on the number of reviews you have, it's going to cost X per review. You submit payment or in our case with a lot of our clients uh, because they're enterprise type clients, they've got you know purchase order set up and invoicing. 
and you say click yes, and then within no time you've got an email coming back saying check your dashboard, you've got rating and reviews on this location. So it really is kind of a click click cart under five minutes experience. And you know, Brent, we didn't think this up, right? I mean, again, I keep going back to Amazon as the poster child. We're simply saying we have been taught over the last 10 years to shop a certain way. We're naive to think that the business world, the B2B world is not going to go down the same path. We're not going to try to retrain you and say, oh, well, Amazon and Walmart and you know other e-commerce sites have taught you to do it this way. Let's do it in a completely different way. That's crazy. We want your fingers to feel the same. We want your eyes to follow the same path. And it is click, click, cart, checkout, go to a link, go to a dashboard. And we made it really, really that simple. And it sounds, well, it doesn't sound like, I think one of the interesting aspects is that you're adding services, not just a physical product. Right. Uh, and the traditional model has been selling a physical product uh, in the B2B model, and especially in the marketplace world. Uh, tell us more about how you've integrated services, and, and is that a larger percentage of what you're doing over the physical? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. So think of it in terms of uh, the secret sauce, right? And so in many cases, as we expand our marketplace, obviously we have our own products, but we also have third-party providers similar to an Amazon model, which means they don't produce too much, right? Amazon brings a lot of different folks in. So when we talk to a third-party provider, and let's say that they're in the merchandising space for the sake of argument, and a merchandiser would come in and say, okay, Brent, what do you, what do you need? You say, okay, I need you to go to a certain retail location pull a display out, build the display, put pricing on it. And it's kind of a service. You have to explain those things. Well, Brent, if, if we've learned anything over the last 10 years at Field Agent, it's that there's not 50 different ways to go to the back room to pull out a display, to put it up and to put the price on it, right? I mean, there, there's it's a fairly rigid process. And so what we've done with third-party providers is to say, let us help you methodically work through the most basic way to have people answer questions that you would be asking so that you can take a service and execute that service without talking to the person. And it's really, really hard. I said, yeah, well, let's have them answer a few questions. Then I can schedule a meeting. I said, nope, no meeting. I said, yeah, but I really want to, I really want to have that meeting, Brent. So I can, I can talk to them. I said, but what do you want to talk to them about? Well, I just want to ask them if they have any questions. I said, well, what questions would they ask? Well, they might want to know this. Well, okay, let's make that an optional question. They're like, oh, yeah. Well, what if they want to know this? Let's make it an optional question. Next thing you know, you've gone from three questions to five or six. And they're like, okay, if they answer all those questions, I can execute a service exactly like them purchasing a product. So it does require the end user to answer some questions. You have to know what you want. And listen, Brett, there'll always be a group of people that want to be spoon-fed that said, I, I don't want to do this. I want someone to schedule a meeting with my three guys and your three guys. And you know what, Brent, it'll, it's always going to happen that way. But for the folks that are growing up in this B2C world, transitioning into B2B, they really want to self-learn. They really want to explore on their own and they want to be able to make their own decisions. So that's been the pretty cool part as we talk to third parties. Yeah, you mentioned the car model, uh, the car, uh, the idea of buying that car online. And I think the risk, the, there's a bigger risk in buying the used car online through Vroom. But Tesla has it down for buying the new car online and configuring and asking all those questions up front and then getting at and then telling you, okay, your car is going to be ready in a year. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, I, 
this is the model where we're all going. And you you bring up a great uh, a great um, uh, aspect of of this. Is there a certain kind of service that works best in this, or is there is it is it open to any kind of a service? Yeah, I, I think yeah, you know, it's it's the the old joke of uh, outside of life sciences and medical and emergency services. Let's not go that route because you need a you know trained professional to probably you know engage you a little bit and probe some. But even on the used car aspect of it, listen, a friend of mine, when he bought his car on Vroom, he had a Carfax on a used car. So if he wanted to go used, he could go down that route. But to answer your question about the type of products, uh, any type of service that has been in operation over a period of time, that service provider knows the 80% that's required to offer a base service. I don't think we're ever going to eliminate custom services. Because I, I know you sell a blue this, and here's the size, and I want a custom size, and I want my own special color. Okay, then we're probably going to have some engagement there. But for the 80% of services that are relatively straightforward, uh, if I need a plumber to come to my home, I should be able to click, 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 and I have a clogged toilet, I have a leaky faucet, and I take a picture of the faucet, which shows the kind that it is, submit that photo, hit a button, and the next thing you know, a plumber shows up at my house. I, I don't know that I need to have a phone call to make that happen. So that being said, I don't think it's it's going to be a question of what services you can. It's going to be within the scale or within the framework of services, what types with each vertical will you actually be able to do? Yeah, I think that's a that, that's an interesting point. Um, and if we look back when, when e-commerce first started, there was Yahoo stores or there was a bunch of there's custom carts. Let's just put in right. the frame of of the of, of buying a, a store, uh, buying a service to sell something. And then yeah. we went to extremely customization. So before Shopify, before big commerce, we went into right. this phase where you had to customize everything and everybody got in. Everybody started thinking, well, yeah, I'm going to have to set up the store and I'm going to have to get a developer involved. And now what e-commerce has evolved to is um, click, click, click. And if you need some specialization, there's somebody there to help you. So um, I, I think this is where it's going. Maybe you could go into a little bit. What is the so there's been there's another company that started at the same time called Amazon. You mentioned that a couple of times. What is the yeah. effect? What is their effect on this market and how does that play into what you're doing? Yeah, you know, we have to be careful, at least in our case, when, when I use, it's like everyone says, hey, I'm the new Uber for this. I'm the new Uber for that. And I don't want people to think, oh, Rick is saying he's the new Amazon for this. But but the Amazon effect is so true in that we never dreamed you would buy, again, a car, a house, or other things the way we buy those things today. And so the trust factor, uh, just the fact that you understand five-star reviews and that's as good as a referral as, as anything else. When I look at the fact that Amazon gives me the the volume of things and and I can look at a video and I can engage, I mean, just all those facets of the Amazon effect has taught us, and let's use millennials and Gen Zs as an example. So if you're entering into the workforce, 18 to 21, 22, or you're that millennial, you're in that mid thirties or so, uh, this is second nature to you. It's what you expect of an online experience. It's what you expect from a purchasing experience. And so I think what the Amazon effect has given us, 
validation or permission to say that we can take services and go into this space. I don't know that 20 years ago, if I'd gone down this route, Brent, I don't know that I would have had the permission. I don't know that it would have been validated the way it is today. Uh, I, I can tell you that the, the way Field Agent launched is that uh, when I first started, I would hold up a phone and say, we're going to take a photo in a store and we're going to capture data and we're going to come back to you and tell you the price. And, and Brent, I literally had executives from multi-billion dollar companies say, but Rick, how are they going to upload the photo from their phone to a computer to send it to me? Another guy said, yeah. And another thing, Rick, how are you going to train them to take a picture with their phone? I mean, can you imagine having that conversation today? It, you'd, be, it'd be, you'd be laughed at. But these were serious and they had no, they had no clue because they all had Blackberries and they were used to this digital aspect of sending out a camera, et cetera, to go through. So I think in today's world, we're a little bit in the same way. Had Amazon not been in front of us, I think they would say, but Rick, how am I going to know you're going to do what you're going to do? How am I going to know to do these things? And Amazon has already taught us. So we're kind of on the coattails of the Amazon effect. And if you look at the uh, the aspects of that and where research is coming in today, I think Forrester was saying that three out of every four B2B buyers would rather self-educate than learn about a product from a sales rep. And that's a Forrester research. And I, and I saw another one. It was a big commerce study. And it said that it was something like 6% of B2B buyers do not use online marketplaces, but 75 of B2B procurement spending is going to happen via an online marketplace within the next five years. So the big industry guys are studying it because they can see where it's going. We're just pushing on the front end, especially within the category of retail. And we want to be on the forefront of that. Um, if, if, I, if I have my own product or service, what does it look like for me to start moving from that? Uh, I'm going to have a salesperson call and they're going to log their entries into my ERP system to moving on to a marketplace like what you have. Yeah. So if you were a third party wanting to be on our marketplace today, uh, there are some companies that are, are fairly astute technically uh, and they could communicate via an API. And listen, Brent, we both know from a technical standpoint, you've got other priorities. They may say, I, I'm not even interested. I know I could do that eventually, but say, okay, don't worry about it. Uh, and so we have a very simple process for them to log in, kind of we walk them through the basic steps where they can upload things to kind of create their first product. And from there, they can kind of copy and paste and move things along. But longer term, it'll be an API in integration. Short term, it really is more of a forums type of thing where they're engaging. We're going to send data to them. It'll be somewhat manual. But the moment they're ready to scale, uh, that's when the light bulb goes off. And they're like, wait a minute. I'm just going to API. It's going to drop right into my ERP system. They'll never have to talk to anyone. It's all really, really clean because they've seen the data come in. They know what they're receiving. And then from our perspective, I don't want to have to talk to them to be able to get data back to the client. So their API is going to give me the data and I'm going to send it back to the client. So technically astute folks would say yes tomorrow, but in most cases, it'll probably feel a little bit manual uh, for the first go around. And do you think this is a new channel? Would you see this as a new channel for, for a merchant? Or no, for, let's just say I'm a manufacturer or I'm, I'm a service provider and uh, I want to provide my service. Uh, I have my own website already that I'm providing it through. This is another channel they can use, um, uh, like Amazon or something like that. Uh, or do you see this as something to replace what, they're already, what, what they already have and what they already have? 
So let's talk about the the Amazon journey, okay? On the Amazon, uh, I think it was, and again, I have no data to support this other than conceptual data. And I, could, I should do the research, Brent, to know this, but it was probably a decade plus before a company like Nike would sell on Amazon. Wouldn't do it. They had their product in, you know, specialty stores and malls. They wouldn't put their product in Walmart. They wouldn't put it at Costco and Sands because they had all these malls and specialty places. Well, today you can't find a big name brand that's not on Amazon. So the first piece thing I would say is for a large brand looking at this, I don't expect them to jump on this bandwagon tomorrow. I get it. But when you look at the small guys, the small guys are saying, listen, I'm looking for eyes on my brand and on my product. So in our case, I've got thousands of eyeballs coming into my marketplace shopping for retail solutions. If you were a mid-tier brand, let's say you're a $100 million, $200 million, $500 million company, why wouldn't you want to use my funnel, SEO, branding, eyeballs coming into my marketplace to see your product every single day? Because Brent, you and I both know their funnel and their sales folks are focused on the big kill, the big fish. Okay? And if I look at the thousands of the things that we're driving today, why wouldn't you want to put that product on our marketplace? Similar to why many people throw their products on Amazon saying, how can it hurt? And then they realized, oh my goodness, it not only did it hurt, the way it's set up, I'm getting more volume than I ever would have dreamed because of the eyeballs they have coming in looking for a specific area. So we're a little bit you know, early in that phase, but obviously we're driving our products to the marketplace and we've got a good business over the last 10 years. So eyeballs are not going to hurt. Uh, you had mentioned earlier about... Um the costs of how of setting up and and how how merchants um are selling online a lot of merchants come to us and they they want to set up their own marketplace um right. what is there a tipping point or or do you have a secret sauce that would preclude them from from trying to set up their own thing compared to going on to field agent yeah, I, I, let's look specifically in the services area versus products. Because products are a little bit different, as we talked before, but services. Um, I, the third parties that we've talked to today, so I said, listen, you, you need to have a brand presence. You want to continue to drive. The question you have to ask is, are you going to put in the technical resources necessary to be able to sell your, uh, your items or your services in a product-led way? Because you don't have a Shopify drop-in module that lets you do all this. You're a manufacturer or you're a service provider and that's what you're good at and you want to get people to call you. So let us do the heavy lifting. Let us work to get your services into a product-led approach. Let us take that and go drive it. Uh, why spend the technical resources on it? So that's number one. The second piece on the same lines is it gets back to focus. Uh, I get where you're focused and there's certain verticals that are really important. I'm a fairly broad aspect of things. And I tell people, you know, we've got, you know, 600 active logos of the largest companies in the world. that are buying retail products from us today. If you want those eyeballs to look at your product, because Brent, think of how long it's going to take for you to get set up as a vendor. If they'll let you get a, become a vendor, how long is it going to take for you to develop the relationship? And will they take your phone call? Now I'm offering an opportunity to sell direct from field agent they're not going to make that same effort with company A or B because they don't need another vendor. They've already got a provider. They're not going to go down that route. So we think we offer two distinct kind of uh, 
capabilities or opportunities to save them a ton of time and effort, which is the technical side, which is technical debt, and also just the opportunity side uh, of doing that business. Uh, so if it, let's let's pretend I'm an agency. What what is it that an agency would want to get in? What why why would an agency pick field agent to recommend one of their clients to go onto your platform? I think it goes back to impressions and eyeballs again. Uh, if you're looking for a company that's well known in the industry, uh, one that's trusted, and you've got all the the major players saying yes, I trust what they're bringing to market. Uh, that's the kind of name or brand I want to put my product or service under, number one. Uh, number two, because we're in the retail space and it's not just a generic marketplace, the eyeballs that are coming in and the synergies we provide, um, we're not pe- we don't have eyeballs coming into our marketplace looking for cars. <laughs> we don't have eyeballs coming in looking for an electrician. You know, We have people coming in looking to solve retail problems. They're coming in trying to solve a product launch. They're trying to figure out trial. They're looking for marketing solutions, merchandising solutions. So it's very, very specific eyeballs coming in. Uh, and that would be the primary driver. If I'm an agency saying, gosh, this is where I put the eyeballs because, or where I put the, the, the services because this is where the eyeballs are coming. And is there a, is there a, uh, a certain type of service you're looking for to be on it? So you, you've just sort of narrowed some of the, some of the scope that you do, is there, a, a, mm-hmm. is there something that you shine in, a service that you would shine in that uh, would be a no-brainer? Yeah, obviously, Field Agent is you know, known for data collection and trial and sampling from a marketing standpoint. So obviously, we've got people coming in for that. But what we started to realize is that you have adjacencies, just as you would have adjacencies in a store. Hey, as you're shopping for bread, what's next to bread? As you're shopping for milk, what's next to milk? As you look at this data collection and what's, what's next, we see that the easy verticals for us, which is where we started, is primarily in merchandising, e-commerce, and data analytics. I mean, those are three big verticals that we see are natural because when you're looking for problems to solve at retail, it's normally an e-commerce problem. It's something that's happening in the physical store. Uh, it's something around marketing, merchandising you know, that I'm dealing with, or I've got all this data, what am I gonna do with it? So those were three logical pieces. Now, as you get to tertiary, secondary adjacencies, uh, we start getting into, hey, I've got some stickers. Could you manufacture stickers? Or, hey, I've got you know another specific problem. Could you connect me with someone that could do corrugate? Those will be tertiary things I think you're going to continue to see fill out our marketplace. Okay. Uh, if, if we change gears a little bit, go into the aspect of being an entrepreneur. I, know, I think you mentioned when in our green room that you, you're a very long startup. Maybe you could go into a little bit about your own journey to getting this started. You know, I, I, I tell people, Brent, that there's not a lot of uh, podcasts around technology, e-commerce, or the business world that uh, start out by saying, so you've got a hillbilly from Appalachia on the phone with you right now. So I start out by saying I came from a very rural area, a uh, uh, hollering Kentucky uh, from Appalachia. And uh, through relationships and, and getting to a university, University of Kentucky, uh, had an amazing opportunity to start with this company called Procter & Gamble, uh, which was just an amazing path for me. And so my, my startup or my starting into that area said that, hey, within this corporate world, what does that look like? So as an entrepreneur, uh, P&G allowed me multiple opportunities to grow and to do things I never dreamed I'd be able to do. 
uh, which then took me overseas. And I spent a couple of years in Hong Kong and a year in Bangkok. And that was really my first true entrepreneurial experience. Uh, I had countries to work with from South Korea, Japan, all the way down to Australia and all the country, countries in between. So I truly had a taste for that. Uh, and then left the company in 2001 to start this little uh, shopper marketing firm here in Northwest Arkansas. And that was 20 years ago. So I tell people I'm a 20-year startup, right? Uh, and then as you kind of grow and pivot, eventually it turned into field agents. So that's kind of how I got here from this small town Appalachian guy through corporate America, one of the largest companies in the world, into this entrepreneurial mechanism, microchasm that I'm in today. And now I'm a CEO of a tech company, which is crazy. And you're a CEO of tech company in Arkansas, but we did we did talk about that you're in the uh, sort of the bubble. You're in a Walmart bubble. Is can I call right. that a Walmart bubble? That you're in a you're in a region that people wouldn't normally think about for being tech and and entrepreneurial and happening. Yeah, they they, they really wouldn't. And if you go across the United States and you look at these little buckets, if you look at um, I guess twenty years ago, you would say. Look at where Dell headquarters is and all the companies that had to come around Dell because of this lean manufacturing inventory scenario. And look at all the startups that happened around Dell. Uh, you can look at, um, gosh, Walmart in the same perspective. You have Walmart and all these supplier teams that started circling around Walmart. And so when we moved to Northwest Arkansas to start this entrepreneurial journey, um, there were probably two or 300 customer teams that were working with Walmart. Now there's 1,800 customer teams. All of their major providers have offices here. And so, Brent, I can be to any major multinational company that sells a product at retail. I can be to one of their senior executives in less than 15 minutes. I mean, you can name any major brand in the world. And I can literally drive from my home and be at their office in 15 minutes. It's unlike anything you've ever seen. And so because of that, as people come to this area and say, gosh, I like the lifestyle. I enjoy the, the area and the outdoors, the cost of living, the fact that the, the Waltons and you know the Tysons and the Hunts have put all this money into infrastructure here. I think I'm going to stay. And they choose to stay and they start an agency. They choose to stay and they start their own entrepreneurial journey. So retail entrepreneurism, we would argue uh, within this bubble is pretty significant. It's amazing the number of startups that are happening here because of that economic bubble that was surrounding Walmart. Yeah, it's such an interesting place. And, and I think something that I never had realized. Uh, so in the Rick West journey, what is, what is the next, what's the next step for you? What's the next step for Marketplace? Yeah, yeah. So I, as we also, we wish we had the answer to that, right? We wish we knew exactly what that next step is going to be. But but as I look at it for me, uh, if, if I've learned anything over the last you know, 20, 30 years of my life, uh, is that I think success, and this is kind of whether it be business success or um, you know personal success, uh, it really follows the path and depth of relationships. And so what I'm striving to do now, Brent, it's kind of a cliche, but the whole giving back aspect of it. What does it look like to mentor other startups? What does it really look like to be a part of this ecosystem in a different way so that I can help other be, people be successful uh, in what I've learned over the last you know 20 years as an entrepreneur? So that's kind of what's next for me 
it's spending time in this ecosystem. Now I'm also changing, you know, chasing my grandkids, obviously, you know, chasing them around a little bit, but that's kind of me in this space. I think for the company and marketplace, um, if we're talking a year or so from now, I think what you're going to find is not only have we grown in the expansion of the marketplace and what it looks like, but I think what you're going to find is uh, it's going to be a standalone name uh, that I think is going to be synonymous, synonymous with B2B e-commerce. If we do this right, it's not going to be people saying, so what does field agent do? and How does that play out? They're going to say, oh, if you're looking for something to solve at retail, this is where you're going to go. So we expect to be more of a household name within the, the retail you know, ecosystem. Uh, and that's what we're going to start driving. It's it's less about the, the services aspect of it. It's really helping people understand what we're doing. Um, so as we kind of close out here, um, what what are you doing? How do you keep up with technology and what's happening out there? And, and especially in retail, what, what are you reading? What are you listening to? All right, so I, it kind of gets into that uh, aspect of who you recommend. And so my favorite podcast right now, bar none, is um, it's called Flip My Funnel. Are you familiar with Flip My Funnel and Sangram? Nope. Go if for not, it. You, <laughs> got, listen, uh, Sangram is, uh, he, he does a daily podcast. Brent, think about this. Daily podcast. Crazy, right? Uh, now, he's got a few other people that are guests that kind of help him out, but it's 30, 40 minutes every day, and it's primarily driven with account-based marketing. So if you're familiar with the funnel concept of, account-based marketing versus all these leads kind of throwing in very broad. And so that's especially, he's had a lot of great experience and uh, started Terminus, sold that, spent some time in uh, Salesforce. But he brings very unique perspective to the B2B world that I'm in and this account-based marketing world. And so fantastic podcast always has something interesting on it. So that's been really, really cool for me to, um, to listen to. Uh, I had just started a book. I had it right here in front of me somewhere. Uh, it's called Faith Driven Entrepreneur. Uh, a guy by the name of Henry Kastner uh, went from Raleigh, North Carolina, and went out uh, west of Silicon Valley. And so he's taken his faith and he's driving that through investors and entrepreneurship. And so that's been kind of a cool book. And then I uh, always recommend to folks, if you're on the health side, my personal favorite right now, the guy by the name of Mark Sisson. Familiar with Mark? Yeah, all? yeah, yeah. So if you read my, listen. I love the concept, and this is going to age me, but I love the concept of what does it take to build a routine in your life and a process in your life such that you can live to be a healthy 100 years old, not just to live and be in a wheelchair. I mean, what does it take to, to live that last X number of your years to have a very healthy lifestyle? So I, I love that aspect of Mark and where he's going uh, and so that's been pretty, pretty cool. He's also matched up with a guy by the name of Peter Otera that does the exact same thing about living this healthy lifestyle for the next 30, 40 years. So that ages me a little bit, but that's also been pretty cool. <laughs> I know I, I challenged my dad. My dad was a runner um, and he's he's 83 now, but um, I uh, we, we go back and forth and I just saw a lady that got the world record at 101 for the for her age group for the hundred meter dash. And it was, I think 37 wow. seconds. So my dad actually was just here. He just went back. He lives in Montana. He said, he's going to go out to the track and see what his time is for the hundred, hundred meter dash. And he was a runner for, you know, 40 or 50 years. 
doesn't yeah. run anymore, but walks every day. So I think, you know, I think that's, that's such an important process in aging. And, yeah. and, um, as, as we do get older, uh, to recognize that the physical part of it plays into your mental part of it. And, you know, part of it is if you want to go out and run for four hours on a Saturday morning, uh, you are going to um, think about something and you're going to have something to strive and work through. You don't right. have to run for four hours, but I think that mental part and that physical part go together. I always say that, um, and I try to say this at mile 19 of a 20-mile run, uh, running is 90% mental and the other 15% is in your head. <laughs> so I, I so see good. how tired people are when I say that. To, Anyways, to do um, that math, that's that's really good. Again, again, I'm a I'm a cyclist guy, so I uh, I go out and for me to do a couple hour ride on a road bike, there's nothing like it. I, I don't put AirPods Air, in. I don't try to listen to things. I really li I really use that time to clear my head and to think. And there's nothing like an hour or two ride just to clear your brain. So I'm a big fan. Yeah, if you get on a fat tire bike, you come to Minnesota and you can ride on the lakes in the winter. Nice. Uh, I may take you up on that. When it's 20 below, it's uh, it's uh, a whole industry here. Anyways, um, so as we close out, uh, I always give people a chance to do a shameless plug. So what what would you like to plug today? Uh, listen, if you're, if, you're, if you're one of the listeners to this right now and you're saying, yeah, I, I get it, Rick, but I'm not really sure. Listen. Try us out. The shameless plug is you'd be surprised how efficient and cost effective as in like how little it's going to cost you to give this a try to see if this could be something that could really impact your business. Uh, and so I'm the, the easy button. You can DM me on LinkedIn. You can get me at rick.west at philagent.net. I'm, I'm just no more than an email away. Would love to have a conversation. And even if it doesn't match up in my marketplace, I'd love to come alongside and help the next generation figure out this B2B product-led marketplace world. I'd love to be uh, help some of your listeners. Great. Yeah. And uh, thanks for mentioning those contact info. We'll put all these in the show notes as well. So yeah. uh, make sure you look that up um, at, uh, at Talk Commerce, talk-commerce.com, and, and uh, we'll have all of Rick's information there. Rick, uh, thank you for joining us. Rick West, CEO and co-founder of Field Agent. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. Yeah, Brent enjoyed it. Thank you. Yep. This episode is brought to you by e-commerce unconference happening on January 21st in Orlando, Florida. This is a platform agnostic event and all are invited from any platform. An unconference is a conference where you decide on the speakers and the topics which are to be presented. Go to unconf.us, that's U-N-C-O-N-F dot U-S, to get your ticket. The capacity is limited to no more than 140 people, and if you've been to an unconference in the past, you know they sell out fast. Go to unconf.us while tickets are still available. Make a weekend vacation while attending a fun event. That's January 21st in Orlando, Florida. And I've heard there are some theme parks there that you can visit as well. That's unconf.us. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.